Live from Washington, D.C., it's Quintessential Listening, Poetry Online Radio. QLPOR, as it's widely known, features a bevy of poets, spoken word artists, and live poetry readings with best-selling authors. Your host is Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the program. I am Michael Anthony Ingram. It is National Poetry Month, and my guest today is acclaimed poet James Cruz. James is the author of four prize-winning collections of poetry and is the editor of the best-selling anthology, How to Love the World. More than 90,000 copies in print and featured on NPR's Morning Edition, in the Boston Globe, and the Washington Post. His new collection, The Path of Kindness, offers more than 100 poems of connection and joy from a diverse range of voices, including a poem by the current U.S. Poet Laureate, Joy Harjo. Welcome, James. It's great to be here, Dr. Ingram. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Oh, you're more than welcome. I'm the one who's glad that you're here. Let's start. (laughs) You've written a number of books, (laughs) a number of incredible books about poetry, what is poetry to you? Yeah, so I think everyone would have a different definition, perhaps. And, you know, maybe some people, when they hear the word poetry, might think of poems they studied in high school or college, you know, mostly written by dead white guys, maybe occasionally Emily Dickinson. And for me, poetry is really different than that. Um, poetry is about really capturing a strong moment in time, and so using sensory details and the poems that I love the most and that I write myself tend to use everyday experience and everyday language to capture some of those strong moments that I'm describing. And so um, most of the poems that I write and have included in these anthologies that I work on, including The Path to Kindness, are understandable by anyone. And so my hope is that a poem can kind of illuminate your own experience, maybe spark a memory, and really just make you more alive to your own grounded experience in the moment. My hope is that a poem can help you notice what's beautiful, what's uplifting, or just, you know, an instant of kindness in your own life. Very nice. I like that so much. What was an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power? Well, I was in the third grade when I first started writing poetry, um, and eight years old, and I had a really great teacher who required us to uh, memorize and then recite a new poem each week to the entire class. And as a shy and introverted kid, I was not excited about this assignment. And so, um, but I did it because I had to. And then slowly, you know, reading books like uh, by Shel Silverstein and uh, folks like that, I, I grew to really love poetry. And I got the bright idea that it might be easier and simpler to write and recite my own poems every week. And so... I somehow worked up the courage to go up to her desk and ask her, like, hey, do you, do you think I could do this? And um, luckily she was so encouraging, and she agreed to that. And so 
I really started writing and reciting my own poems, you know, with an absolutely, like, red, embarrassed face, a, a trembly voice. And that taught me early on that my writing could have power because, you know, oh, wow. of course, not everyone in the class thought, yeah, not everyone in the class thought that was a great thing, but I did have other fellow students come up to me on the playground or at lunch and like, hey, I really enjoyed that poem that you wrote or, you know, this makes me think of this. And so it was a really lucky early experience to have and to discover so early something that just brought me alive and really lit me up. And so luckily for me, it was discovering the power of language that was my own language and that I was writing from my own experience. And, um, you know, it took me a long time to really kind of own myself as a poet and to think like, oh, I can live this life too. I can actually, you know, make a living as a poet and teaching poetry to others. Um, so that's been a journey, but I still think about that early experience and that early teacher, Mrs. Sharon Brown, who really started it all. That That's an incredible story that you were affirmed at such an early age to write poetry when so many kids aren't. I really like that. Thank you so much for sharing that, James. You know, your book, How to Love the World, came out last year and focused on poems of gratitude and hope. Tell us about this next anthology, The Path of Kindness, and why you chose the poems of connection and joy for the book. Yeah, so with the last anthology, How to Love the World, um, you know, that came out really in the middle of the pandemic, and I was choosing those poems at the very beginning when the pandemic first hit. And so my sense with that book was that we needed invitations into gratitude for whatever moments of pleasure, moments of joy we could find. And we certainly needed a lot of hope because, you know, our, our government and just the state of the world was not giving us much hope, and there was still so much yes. fear and uncertainty around the virus. And um, so my sense with this book was that we would hopefully um, be emerging from the virus and from COVID and that we would be connecting with each other again. And my sense was that we would maybe need some help and need some reminders about why kindness is so essential and important in our lives. And and I think poetry is the ideal medium for that because, again, it can just capture a moment in time and just some of these fleeting moments that we might just look past when we're kind of speeding through our days, when we're really busy. And poetry invites us to slow down and just say, hey, wait a minute, like I want to hold on to this this little bit of warmth or this positivity. And so I really wanted to give people... Uh, just a, a safe place they could turn to where there wouldn't be as much negativity like there is with the news so often these days. Yes. And, um, you know, the the world is a difficult and sometimes broken place, but, you know, we do still have each other. It's really all we have in a, in a lot of ways. And so to look for the common ground that we can find with each other and find some joy, find some connection wherever we can encounter it. I already enjoy listening to you, and I agree with you 100%. (laughs) In your introduction to your book, you write about the practice of connecting with others, and we all know that that can be very, very difficult. What significance does this have for you? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we can talk about kindness as, 
you know, this this kind of practice, like, oh, it's really important, it's really useful. But I think on a day-to-day level, it really can save lives, um, that you never know whether a smile or a wave or holding the door open for someone is really going to change the course of their life, even if it's just like it plants the seed that not everyone is a terrible person or that the world is not such a broken place. And I think, especially with younger people with whom I've worked quite a bit over the years, we have we have a crisis. You know, they are not feeling very hopeful about the world that they're inheriting. And, um, and so we, you know, that's one of the reasons I keep putting these books together as well, because I want these poems to reach young people and to give them that sense of hope that not all is lost. And so for me, um, during the worst parts of the pandemic or during, you know, the most difficult parts of my own life, when I lost my father at a very young age, I was just like 19 or 20 when he passed away, mm-hmm. I-, I can say that kindness has really saved my own life. And when people have taken the time even to just do small things, they have a big impact. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's what I mean when I talk about the practice of connection, that it's really not just an abstract thing. It's about small, specific acts of, you know, I guess years ago we might have called called it paying it forward, um, but we think of it as kindness now more and more. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, you chose... From uh, from over 100 poets, <laughs> there is a wide yeah. range of well-known and emerging poets in the book. How did you decide which poets and which poems you wanted to include? Well, it was a tough decision, definitely. Um, you know, there are many, many good poems out there. But my first criterion for the poem, the poems that I included really was, you know, can, can a, a larger kind of mainstream audience understand it you know will it appeal to younger people um and so that was really a starting point and then after that i really wanted poems that were going to be more uplifting that uh were going to make me feel hopeful um a sense of joy a sense of connection with the world and so that's where i went and so there are Definitely some classic poems by folks like Naomi Shihab Nye, by our current poet laureate that you mentioned, Joy Harjo, who is yes. the first Native American to serve in that post and 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 very rarely has served three terms now. So she's been luckily the voice for poetry in our country for a long time. And then I wanted to include a lot of emerging poets because there are so many poets out there who are writing uplifting, accessible, and really beautiful poems who may not be given a voice, um, who may be marginalized, or who maybe just have not kind of gotten that push out into the mainstream so that people can hear their voices. So I really tried to be as open and diverse as I could, and I really trusted my intuition because I, I am a poet myself. I'm connected to a lot of poets on social media. Uh, my feed on Instagram and Facebook is just like all poetry all the time. And so I yes. found a lot of poems through through that. And, um, and years ago when I was studying poetry, I studied with our former U.S. Poet Laureate, Ted Kuzer, who lives in Nebraska and is still writing beautiful poems. Um, and I worked with him on his... 
um, nationally syndicated uh, newspaper poetry column called American Life and Poetry. He has since retired from that, but that was a really great experience in kind of getting training in how to choose poems that would appeal to a wider audience that were short enough to appear in the newspaper and accessible enough and beautiful enough that people could read it in the newspaper on on a Monday when it came out and, and really be moved by the poem. So so that mm-hmm. training was really indispensable to me as I've as I've been choosing poems for these books. Wow. Incredible. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that information. That fleshed it out for me, which is very, very important and I appreciate it. You've included reflective pauses and prompts for writing and reflections throughout the book. How do these help readers learn more, get more out of the poems? Yeah. Well, what I've discovered over the years, because I've worked with um, younger people, I used to teach at a university and worked with a lot of 18- and 19-year-olds, but I've also worked with a lot of folks in communities, libraries, and art centers who are maybe coming to poetry for the very first time and who, you know, maybe need a little help. Even with an accessible poem, people can feel a little uncertain about poetry, as you know, and, you know, yes. maybe maybe think like, oh, I don't understand poetry. You know? um, and so I feel like these reflective pauses give people an entry point into the poems and really just help them slow down, um, maybe reflect themselves And then if they want to journal or they want to try their own poem, um, I have prompts at the end of each of these. And and people, I was a little uncertain about including them because I always thought, you know, the poem should kind of stand on its own. But I think people really like these invitations. And, um, you know, at the end I also have some questions and some more prompts for several more of the poems. And that's because I've heard from a lot of people that they like to include um, these books in reading groups and um, book clubs. And so I I just love the idea that poetry is finding its way into places where it might not normally appear. And people like Amanda Gorman, who appeared in the last book, How to Love the World, she's, she's helped bring poetry to such a wider audience, too. Wow, very nice. I've got to ask this question. What did you learn when writing this book? What did you learn? What surprised you? What did you learn? Yeah. Well, I think what I learned is just how powerful the practice of paying attention to kindness can be in my own life. Um, Mm. You know, as a, a more shy and introverted person, and of course, during the isolation of the pandemic, it was really hard to connect with people and I think it's been really hard to get used to doing that again and socializing and all of that Um, but what was most surprising was the ways that I found myself paying attention to how kindness was showing up in my own life Um, you know it was the smile or a kind word from the person, the teller at the bank or, you know, from the checkout person at the supermarket or the person at the pharmacy who helped me find the right medicine. I was just, I became alert to all of these different moments that I think in the past and before the pandemic wouldn't have felt so essential or wouldn't have felt Mm -hmm. so powerful. 
And I think it was only through the act of finding these poems and putting them together and being reminded that, you know, kindness can show up in so many different ways. It can show up in the natural world, out in the world of among humans. It can show up as we tend to ourselves and, you know, kind of bring self-care and self-compassion into the experience too. And so, you know, that was the most surprising thing, just how okay. how much I still had to learn about kindness, actually. Yes. Now it's time. Would you please share one of your poems? Absolutely. Yeah. So I would love to read. How about, since I was just talking about self-care, I'll, I'll share my poem called Self-Care. Some days it feels like a foreign language I'm asked to practice with new words for happiness, work, and love. I'm still learning how to say a cup of tea for no reason, what to call the extra honey I drizzle in, how to label the relentless urge to do more and more as useless, and how to translate the heart's pounding message when it comes, enough, enough. This morning I searched for words to capture the glimmering sun as it lifts above the mountains, clouds already closing in as fat droplets of rain darken the deck. I'm learning to call this stillness self-care too, just standing here as gold finches scatter up from around the feeder like broken pieces of bright yellow stained glass reassembling in the sheltering arms of a maple. Oh, very, very nice. It's the kind of poem that you need to allow to sink in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow. You know, I would be remiss if I did not ask you about the cover of your book, which is absolutely beautiful. Tell us about the process yeah. of coming up with the cover of that book. Well, I've been lucky enough to work with the same artist. Her name is uh, Dinara Mertelipova. And she lives in Ohio. And just she has these beautiful kind of whimsical representations uh, that that fit the kind of uplifting, welcoming tone of the book. So um, the cover of The Path to Kindness has these flowers that are blooming out of a little teacup. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, just very joyful, very welcoming, as I'm hoping people find the poems in the book. And I've been told that people love the cover as well as the size of these books. You know, they are yes. smaller, so and they have, you know, just a very pleasing texture. The pages are a little thicker, deckled edges, and so the book fits perfectly in a bag. You can keep it on your nightstand, keep it on your desk, take it on a plane or to travel, um, and just pull it out at odd moments. You know, people enjoy reading the poems through and kind of seeing how they're grouped, but I've heard from people who just love dipping into it, maybe before bed or sharing a poem or two before a family sits down to dinner. So I think that size and that really welcoming art on the cover from Dinara really really just helped bring the book alive for people and, you know, certainly catch 
they're very eye-catching in yes, stores. very much so. so. I think it, it has led to people wanting to pick them up and just hold them in their hands, and that seems perfect for poetry. Um, that is so much about physical, you know, kind of tangible experience that um, mm. that the book would be a lovely thing to hold as well. Thank you. You know, as we close... I'd like to know where can we find out more about your poetry and the path to kindness? Absolutely. You can definitely find the path to kindness wherever books are sold. I usually encourage folks to uh, explore independent local bookstores. One of my own local bookstores, Baton Kill Books, which has a, a website, batonkillbooks.com, is selling signed copies if anyone would like one of those. And then for more info about my poetry and uh, to sign up for weekly poems and prompts, you can visit my website, jamescruz.net, or follow me on Instagram, at james.cruz.poet. And I often share poems from the anthologies, poems of my own, and just poems that I come across that, that can really help us live our lives. Oh, very nice. I want to thank you, James for inspiring us well, thank you. to be more kind. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Dr. Ingram. This has been a pleasure. All right. Have a nice day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye now. Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also check out the website at QLPOR.com